2: hello everybody and welcome to episode number 243 of the stacy west podcast uh i am probably a surprising voice to hear first i'm chris um gary unfortunately is unwell and ben is at some Comic Con or something down in London at the moment. He's travelling back as we speak, so I am joined by my good friend Charlie Beaston. How are you doing, mate? I'm doing very well, Chris. How are you? Very, very well indeed. Feels very strange. Oh, uh we've been we've been left lo- let loose. Yeah, <laughs> we have indeed, but uh, it's very exciting, and we've we've actually got quite a lot to talk about this week, haven't we? Uh, despite you know we've had two games, of course, I've got one game to discuss Wolves, and we will be previewing the Burton game plus. Couple of other little pieces of news as well, little snippets to touch on. Um, so, I suppose, you know, we normally have a little bit of chit chat and some witty banter at the start of the game, uh, at the start of the podcast. Uh, but I'll be honest with you, mate, I've had a very boring week. But you uh, experienced the hospitality of the boxes, didn't you, on Tuesday night at I the Wolves game? How was that?
3: That was, it was actually really, really good. Um, the first time I've ever been in one of the boxes at Lincoln. Um, yeah, I've, I actually really enjoyed it because, be honest, it's slightly cheaper for the Wolves game. So I got myself and nine nine other friends of mine, and everybody seemed to want to want to join. in. it was a really, really good, really good kind of atmosphere for what fifteen pound per person. So very, really, really good. Um, although. I think some people found it a little bit annoying towards the end when they got the bill for all the drinks they were ordering in the box. Um so, so some people having to pay these rather large bills of fruit, of beers that they thought thought may have been free. Um,
2: was quite Beers never free. You yeah. never learn that lesson twice do you? It would <laughs> be nice if they were, right? <laughs> indeed, indeed. But of course um I I imagine that was just uh, one part of what turned out to be quite an enjoyable and quite a comfortable evening in the end.
3: Yeah, it was um it was really nice, and like I say, it was quite comfortable. We went into the game, and to be honest, I was on the train coming back from Nottingham, I was saying to a couple of friends of mine who came with me, I said, you know what, I really could not care less about the result tonight. Like, from, you always want your team to win. I get that. We wanted the 10 grand that you get for winning the game, and we'd like to be able to progress, and who knows where we can go in this competition, all of that sort of stuff. But at the same time, if we got through it without any injuries and lost 3-0, I'd have taken that over winning the game 5-0 and getting one injury. It's just, it's kind of the way things are at the minute. And yeah, I was really pleased with, first of all, the fact that we came out of it with no injuries and then the result as well.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really good point about injuries. Um, I never, ever want to see Lincoln City lose. Um, And I'll be honest, as much as Mark Kennedy maybe felt that this was a potential banana skin, um, I don't think I particularly saw it that way. Um, and I agree with you though that the injuries was, was definitely the most important aspect of this and, and trying to come out of it unscathed as you mentioned, which leads us on to the lineup because I know um, you kind of mentioned this last week and, and Gaza put a predicted lineup didn't he on his, on, his, uh, mm-hmm. on his blog earlier in the week. and it was it was stronger than I expected it to be. Yes. So for anyone that, that didn't get a chance to watch the game um, and hasn't seen we, so we lined up with uh, Jordan Wright in goal. Back three of Sean Rowan, Alex Mitchell, and, and T.J. Ayoma. Midfield four of Jaden Brown on the left, Ted Bishop and Ali Smith both starting, and Jack Burroughs on the right with Dylan Duffy, Miley Shadipo, and, and Hakima Delicant up top. Yeah. That's a really strong, you know, first team level squad. There. There's some lads I haven't had a huge amount of minutes, but they're all first team quality. You know, in the last game against Derby, for example, um, we recalled Jay Ben, who we believe was injured for this game, but we also gave a start to. Asheen Gallagher, who did get some minutes at the end, but he didn't get a start against a weaker opposition. So I thought that was really interesting. I just don't know. um, Yeah, Mark Coady maybe thought it was more of a banana skin than everyone else did. And he wanted to put out a a much stronger team to kind of guarantee the victory, maybe guarantee a little Mm. bit of um, just positivity in the camp after a couple of uh, disappointing results. I don't know. What are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, when I first saw it, the biggest surprise was actually the midfield two being Smith and Bishop, because I was really expecting to see Ocean Gallagher. I thought he played really, really well against Derby and he probably deserved a start in one of the other group stage matches and actually against the under-21s was probably the perfect opportunity for him. But actually, then when I took a step back and thought about it, Smith deserves the minutes as well because I think he's a brilliant player and he just he doesn't get into our league. Starting eleven at the minute, not through his fault, but the fact that the two Ethans in the middle are well, second to none in the league. So it's really, really unfortunate for Alistair Smith at the minute. And Ted Bishop, I think uh, I think Gaz mentioned it actually in his sort of lineup article that he did, in the fact that Ted Bishop's a confidence player, and he probably does need did need the game to try and get a bit of a confidence booster to then be able to see him perform at a better level in the league matches. We've spoken a lot about Ted Bishop being better off the bench because. You know, there's so many different reasons why that might be. But for me, I think it's because he's always then trying to prove something. Whereas actually, he's maybe one of these players that when, then when he's starting, he's he feels more comfortable. And actually, when a player feels more comfortable, sometimes that can have the opposite of the effect. Whereas if they're obviously constantly fighting for their position and thinking that it's not safe, then actually that can have the desired effect that you want on some people.
2: Yeah, really good point.
3: It, it kind of very much depends. And then her keeper Delican up front. Again, another one I was actually quite surprised to see. Um, I thought that Joven might have got the start. We'll get on to Joven in a bit, but I thought that Joven might have got the start. Or even Charlie Kendall. I know we've spoken at length on this podcast, especially about the fact that Charlie Kendall doesn't really suit our system at the minute. And right now, we don't really see a pathway for him in this Lincoln City squad. But I just thought that choosing out would have been the perfect opportunity to see him. But all in all, I'm not, you know, I'm not at all sort of dismayed with the with the team that we put out. And again, I will just mention Hayden Can at centre back, who I thought we'd likely see, but he obviously wasn't there. And we went with a a pretty strong back throw. I think Sean Rowan again is another one all about confidence. We wanted him to be able to have a, a good solid game at the back, which I think he did. Alex Mitchell again the same. He he's coming back from an injury. We know that, so it helps get him some minutes uh, and gets kind of his fitness back up. So I don't think there was there's any issues with the team news. It could have gone slightly different. We could have had four or five different players in there, but I don't think there's any arguments with what we put out.
2: No, I think uh, you know it's a strong team, a strongest, as strong as we probably would have mm. dreamt of putting out really for this game. Uh, just to touch on those, you mentioned Kendall and Can there um we've obviously mentioned them in previous weeks as well when we've been discussing this competition and just to kind of clarify that for anyone that's out on loan at a team outside of the football league so anyone that's on a non-league loan they can be eligible to play in the EFL trophy but there are kind of agreements within the relationships between the clubs so if they've got a game on the same night for example that makes it less likely and it's just different for different clubs the agreements that the clubs have between each themselves is, is slightly different um the only the only one that's, that that I, I would probably say that I absolutely was surprised at was uh, was Mitchell actually, um, but mm-hmm. at the time I kind of forgot about the fact that he'd uh, he'd kind of just coming back from injury, but he has featured quite a bit this season. Um, TJ hasn't. I understood playing Sean natural left side, and let's be honest, has had a really good start to the season, but the last couple of games he struggled in. Um, and I thought it was a good opportunity for him to get a nice, comfortable, confident performance in the game. I, I thought we might see Hayden centre half, to be honest. Mm. But he, yeah, it appears that none of those non-league loans were anywhere near the squad. And that's that's fair enough. So that's that's the lineup. Um and as you said, Mark county kind of made a point after the game in his in his interview about avoiding a potential banana skin. Um and yeah, maybe before the game started, that was potentially in the back of people's minds. Mm. But I think within the first 10 minutes It became very, very clear that that was not really going to happen. Um, To me, Wolves played what would be described as a typical under-21 style. um, Lots of trying to play the ball out from the back. Lots of trying to patterns of play. Decent technical players, lacking physicality, and being really quite naive in decision-making. They did have some talented players on the ball, uh, particularly their goalkeeper, who massively stood out second half, by the way. What What a few saves he made. But even the other guys, you know, Just technical footballers but young 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 professionals that's all they are um they kind of constantly fell foul of our pressing traps particularly playing out from goal kicks for them early in the game Um, and it was almost as if they just kind of stuck to that pattern regardless of what lincoln were doing and they weren't particularly complicated pressing traps from a lincoln's perspective you you know you set up well off the ball and we won it by countless times in their third um and then of course it didn't take too long for us to get a goal from that was 11 minutes or so that hacks scored um from that point, I actually I think I mentioned on our on our group chat at half time, it was so comfortable. we done we were absolutely dominating yeah. the game. I was actually slightly frustrated because we'd just not been clinical. And that's something that we've been criticized <laughs> for and we've been critical of the team for over the last three or four games. We've had good spells, but we haven't taken advantage of those good spells. I didn't think it was gonna come and bite us in this particular match, but it was a trait that i was hoping for us to kind of just start to move away from and once we scored that relatively early goal i was quite confident watching the game thinking oh we're going to get two three four now i mean it didn't come and that kind of frustrated me a little bit but i felt second half actually we we actually had fewer shots in the second half but the shots we had were Mm. slightly slightly clear opportunities and if it wasn't for some outstanding goalkeeping then we would have won the game um quite a lot more convincingly have you seen what the xg was for this game by the way
3: I haven't, but I was just about to say, I was literally just about to ask you, because I know you'll have seen it, and I imagine it is really, really high, because uh, Jake Young, I think it is their goalkeeper, made so many fantastic near, sort of uh, close reactionary saves that must have really, really high XGs. Yeah, so,
2: uh, so 3.99. Yeah. So basically basically four. So we should have won the game 4-0. Theirs was, what, 0.41 with just one shot on target in the whole game. Mm. We had 24 attempts on goal. Um, That doesn't include block shots, by the way. That's just shots that were either off target or on target. Nine of them were on target. Um, So we did absolutely dominate the game. It it was, Mm. I know it's a bit of a cliche, but it really was men against boys, to be honest. (laughs) Um, But at the same time, you can only beat what's in front of you. And there were some real promising signs as well, despite the opposition. Um for me there was a couple of standouts uh that was that started as I thought Dylan Duffy had a real a real bright yeah. game. I thought Jack Burroughs had a real a real bright game as well. I think he was always a threat, and his just physicality just, just kind of massively shone, didn't it? But one player that we wanted to discuss in a bit more depth than the rest is Mr. Jovan McCarmon. Now you mentioned that yeah. you maybe thought he deserved a start. I think I'll probably uh, agree with you there, but I was really, really impressed with him. It's the most impressed I've been with uh, with Joven at any point in any minutes that I've seen from him. He got about half an hour or so towards the end of the game. Yeah. So, firstly, what are your thoughts? Because I know we maybe disagree slightly on this.
3: <sighs> my my thoughts on Joven have been an absolute rollercoaster over like the past twelve months. <laughs> I I started off this this sort of calendar year, let's say, so Charlton away specifically. I, he came on with kind of 10, 15 minutes to go and he ran our attack. I thought his relentless running, his off-the-ball work was something that we could really utilise in our system. He, he reminded me very much of kind of Ben House and the amount that he was running from the striker role. Then we saw him a little bit more, you know, a little bit at the start of this season. Bristol Rovers away, for example. And I just felt that he was a little bit, he he, he wasn't as good technically as what his off-the-ball work was to the point where I just didn't think it was worth then bringing him on in places in, in sort of situations. He was a good out ball and that was it. His, his cat was kind of my sort of feeling on him. And then obviously he played really, really well on Tuesday and he was brilliant on the ball. He took his chance really well when it came. He brilliant. He was making some brilliant runs. He was able to, to play the ball really, really strongly. Now I, I kind of, you know, we've, We mentioned that we wanted to talk about him in more detail. When I was kind of making some of the notes on some of the things we'll talk about in the podcast today, I I sort of put the question, is this a springboard for Jovan to maybe get more minutes in the team, to maybe excel more where he's got a bit of confidence in all of this? Now, I don't think so, personally, because I think that Jovan, as good as he is, I just don't think he's anywhere near ready, first of all, for Lincoln. And I just don't think he's got the ability to take that step up anytime soon. And I I don't, like I said, I don't think it's just about him not being ready now. I think it's about the fact I don't see him being ready by the end of the season to the point where keeping him in and around the first team squad at the minute is worthwhile, even with our striker situations, which which seems daft to say, because we have no strikers, I know, ding, 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 ding. It does feel really to to say, but I just don't see him being able to force his way into this squad, even though there's nobody really in front of him for in the packing order. But what, what, what are your thoughts on him?
2: I think he's in a really interesting position. I think there's no denying that he he probably would be out on loan if we if we were if we had the the strikers fit, um, and he does need that. He hasn't. He's the only player that's really in our first team squad out of our young players that hasn't really had that loan mm. yet. That has still had some ex, first team exposure. Um, we all know Sean Rowe, we know Foddy Draper's obviously pressing out there at the moment. Joven hasn't had the opportunity to have that loan. And before Tuesday, I'd have kind of completely agreed 100% with everything you've just said. Yeah. Um, but going into Tuesday, I was I was kind of interested to see how Joven would fit in. Because, of course, I think we, we've seen in the past, or we haven't seen a huge amount, let's be honest, we've seen glimpses of him. Mm-hmm. Um, he hasn't had a start. He hasn't had, you know, even a, a sort of a 40, 50 minute spell. He's come on for 15, 20 minutes maximum at the end, sometimes for less than that. Um, but what we have seen, I, I think we've, we could probably both agree or everyone that's seen him will agree that he hasn't looked quite quite at the level yet yeah. um, for League One. But I thought that makes it interesting because he's going to be playing against an under-21 side. And I thought what we'd probably see is him being competitive, but that's probably his level. And it, it would be a good indication of, right, well, we know where he stands now. And actually, when he came on, and had that half an hour on Tuesday night. I thought he was, he was a class above the opposition. I think physically he was he, he dominated their defence, more so than anyone else did in the first team, by the way, and on, on the day. Of course, the other players up there have got different physical profiles, but still, he's a young lad. And just because he's tall doesn't always mean you're strong and you don't always use your height and your strength well. You learn that as you get older and more experienced in playing men's football. And I thought he dominated their defenders. Um, I actually put in the group chat about a minute or two before he scored, didn't I, that I've been really impressed with Joe. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, guys well, well, disagrees. You, you, say, you, disagree. you say
3: a minute or two before, mm. like I, I had responded to you disagreeing, and just <laughs> as I did that in real
2: time, he put the ball in the back of the net. Yes, yeah, so I felt so, very smug at that point, um, I, but I was also yeah. a little bit annoyed. A little bit annoyed because I was, I was kind of half typing out my. Um, my Twitter. I always do like it's. I don't know why anyone listens, but I I always do like a, just a, a quick Twitter post at the end of the yeah. or the artist formerly known as Twitter, of course, an X post. Um, just yeah,
3: just just kind funny. of
2: saying <laughs> I've been yeah, good point. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, just kind of saying that I was impressed with Joven. Um, and this is at one 0 at the point, mm. and then obviously I, I posted it anyway. Uh, because he'd scored, but I thought, oh, it's probably a bit of a cleverer point if he hadn't scored, <laughs> um, but he goes and scores. It looks like he just jumping on the bandwagon. Um, but I was just really impressed with him. And do do I think it's potentially going to be a springboard for him to get a, a sustained run in the first team? No. Um, on Saturday, I understood why he wasn't even part of the squad because I, we just didn't think he was ready. But actually, I think on Tuesday means that he has got a role to play I think if we need a centre-forward to come off the bench and and have an impact on Saturday, he deserves to be part of the squad and he deserves to be that number nine option on the bench, certainly until we get players back. Um, So, yeah, that's Joven Speaking... Oh, go on. Sorry, you've got... You're holding your hand out. You have another point to make. I
3: do, I do. And it's kind of going to contradict what I've already said. So, I'm I'm playing devil's advocate against myself here because... (laughs) I was making all of these comments to somebody on Tuesday night and they turned around and made a really, really good point. I can't actually remember exactly who it was, but they made a really, really good point. Of, actually the stuff that I've said there, the stuff that other people have said about Joven. people were saying the exact same thing about Freddie Draper 12 months ago, the exact same thing. His physical presence was good. He, you know, he, he was the sort of player that you would expect to be able to be a good, a singular number nine for Lincoln city but he wasn't good technically enough. He wasn't good enough on the ball. And now look at how Freddie's doing. So actually to kind of go against myself in that respect of, yeah, maybe there is the clear progression there because again, Jovan, how old is Jovan? 19? Yeah, I think so. So, you know, obviously he's very slightly older than Freddie Jovan, but people develop at different rates. And there's, it's not exactly like I'm turning around and saying that there's no future for Jovan here. But I just feel like at the minute, no. But actually, if he does get this loan move that we want him to get or, or a couple of loan moves down the line, suddenly we may have the player that we all hope to be able to see.
0: Yeah,
2: that's a good point. And I think I agree with you about the loan. I think he he needs the loan. We mentioned that earlier. Mm. Um, I think my mentality has just shifted a little bit after that half an hour in regards to until our first team strikers become um, fit again and become available and become um, part of the, the team again yeah. and part of the squad... I actually would quite like to see him as part of the the match day squad if not necessarily the starting 11 I don't think he's there yet but certainly the match day squad I think he deserves to be part of um, and then hopefully January comes Jack Vale's fit we're going to touch on Jack Vale in a moment mm-hmm. and hopefully Tyler Walker of course gets fit I mean, maybe we bring Freddie Draper back we'll see we'll see the situation but it wouldn't in fact I I'd, I'd be more surprised if if this didn't happen to be honest it's at that point I expect Joven to go out on loan and I think that's more yeah. likely than not. But I mean, between now and then, I think he's got a role to play. I think he can be a. he could be an influence off the bench. And, a, and if um, Tuesday's anything to go by, then yeah. fair play to him. But I think we've spoken about Young Joven enough. Um, yeah. But in regards to the striker situation, we have had some news on the mysterious situation regarding Jack Vale. We have had a little bit of insight from Mark Kennedy about Jack Vale. So Jack is. Back with the squad. He's been training or been uh with the rehab team this week. So he's not been on the on the pitch, but he has been part of the club for the first time since the Loners agreed, by the way. He's actually not been in the building at any point. Um with the intention of him being involved in first team training as of Monday. So that is just all positive, isn't it?
3: It very much is. I think uh who forgot got after Burton? Who's next Saturday? That, um, uh, oh, Exeter, Exeter, Exeter away. Of course it is, that of course is. it is. No, it isn't, it's Fleetwood. It's Fleetwood away. Exeter's the week oh. after, I think. That, Whoops. I said that. Right, okay, no, it's Fleetwood. I'm almost certain it's Fleetwood now. Um, yeah, Fleetwood, I, I think the Fleetwood game on the 21st might just be a little bit too soon. Uh, but, you know, if he's back on the grass on Monday, providing he doesn't get another mysterious injury, we can very... We can sort of very much hope that, uh, that yeah, he can be in and around the squad very, very soon, which is really good news. And there is actually some other striker news. I, I don't know why I'm calling this news. It really isn't news. But with that, with that sort of void of, I was about to say with that kind of void of transfer news outside the windows, but we're really not. We signed a winger this time last week or last Friday, but there is another bit of striking news. Uh, it was reported earlier this week. It was Tuesday, actually. I remember stood in the club shop. I was getting some, I was getting my Fleetwood away tickets. That's why I remember. That was the 21st. That was the game after Burton. Uh, and I looked at my phone and Gary had put on Twitter and uh, done an article l- saying that we were linked with a, not young, wonder kid, uh, 25-year-old Mink Peters, Dutch striker, He has been at Real Madrid. He has been at Ajax. Uh, Never played a game for either of the two, but, you know, the the headline of uh, imps linked with former Real Madrid striker is is always going to get more clicks, isn't it? So Gary's done well now. He knows what he's doing. Um, (laughs) Yes, we have been linked with Mink Peters. I think it's unbelievably (laughs) unlikely that we're going to sign him. Uh, That inevitably means that He is going to sign, now that we've said this on the podcast, (laughs) as was the case with any other free agent talk we've done recently. Um, But yeah, Clive Nates did actually reply to Gary on Twitter and just say, as a vegan, I would just prefer Minx to be well left alone. So, I mean, that could mean that he's trying to be cryptic and get rid of the story whilst we're actually saying... No, it's it's very unlikely to happen. Probably quite an easy story for the... uh, I think it was Team Talk, was it, to uh, who release the rumour. It's a very easy one for them to kind of put together, linking us, we don't have a striker to, to this, uh, this lad who's apparently over in England at the minute looking for a move. I don't see it happening. Chris, what's your
2: thoughts? Uh, I think it's interesting. Uh, I I do think it's interesting. I, I agree with you that it's. In, I feel like it's incredibly unlikely, but I think there is a wider story here in regards to the type of players that we now have access to. So we would, we did a little bit of digging off air, didn't we, to try and work out whether he actually would qualify as part of the new ESC rules. So for those of you mm-hmm. that maybe have missed this, um, this time last year, we wouldn't have been able to sign anyone of this ilk. We wouldn't have been able to sign a Lewis Montsmer, for example, um, with, the, with the kind of new work permit rules that have been brought in. Made it much more, much, 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 much more difficult, um, almost impossible to sign those players. There was uh, some kind of points criteria that had to be met, and it was only met if you had played at a certain level in certain leagues or had certain international appearances, and it was pretty strict. But as of um, this season, you can you can have two players that kind of would fall outside of that normal work permit rules. Um, now, that isn't anyone. You can't just sign anybody from outside of those. There are still some rules and some guidelines, but it certainly opens the door um, far wider across the across the globe, really, of, of, of players that we have access to. Now, even though this particular player has uh, has been on the books at Real Madrid, he's been on the books at, um, at Ajax, of course. As a kid, he played in the second handful of appearances in the second tier of of Holland and has most recently been playing out I think in the UAE which wouldn't qualify him. Mm. But we think there's also there's the potential that he may have made a couple of under 20 appearances for Holland or the Netherlands should I say. Um which then means he, he may be he may be um eligible. So maybe there's something in it. I'm thinking it's it's very very unlikely. Primarily because he's 25 and I think if we're going to go and you, know, you only get two of these slots. They have to be. You have to make the right decision. They have to be someone that adds something to the team now. They have to be someone that's going to be a good investment as well. It, almost these need to be kind of foreign, Ethan Irehans, don't they? Plays that 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 improve the team now, but also have that potential to grow with the club and, and be sold on. I think they're the type of players that we want to use these um, these slots for. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he's got the age profile. Being at twenty five sounds ridiculous. You know, the guy's eight years younger than me. I'm telling you, he's too old. Um, but. Uh, I'm I was going to say, should, you
1: should
3: have kind of let me say that line rather yeah. than you, um, to be honest.
2: Uh, but I, just don't think he's, I think he's just a little bit too old for him to be yeah. then classed as an investment. Um, but I think that the wider story here is that these are the types of players that we now have access to, whereas this time last year, we just simply wouldn't. Um, and that is very exciting. What will be interesting, what will be exciting to see is how the club potentially try and navigate the whole world with a with a, a recruitment team of basically just uh, Jez George and uh, Mark Tracy. Um, but they're the players that we can have access to and that is exciting um, which means when you do see stories like this it's not just a definite well that's clearly rubbish because we can't get in because of the rules actually there might be a chance that we can. Um, yeah, Don't read too much into it would be my advice. Uh, the source was a little bit loose shall we say um, <laughs> but yeah these type of players are the type of players that we can now um, potentially attract so interesting yeah, that- times ahead certainly in that regard.
3: I think that's the That's kind of the key thing here. I I think this particular story is, like you say, one that's very, very unlikely to happen. It's one that we just... I kind of put it in the notes of the things to talk about today, but sort of just... I literally put next to it, very loosely we'll mention him, because there isn't really that much of a story there. We're we're calling it a story, but there isn't really. It's it's a rumour that goes around in football. Every club has them. It's what happens. But like I say, it's a really, really key and interesting point about these two joker slots, as they're kind of commonly known. Uh, now, regarding sort of the work permits, now, like you say, 25 year old is probably that little bit too sort of old for us to be calling it an investment. It, like I said, just to use this guy as an example, what I think could be really interesting and what I expect to happen is just if everybody kind of thinks to what we're doing over an island at the minute, what we're doing is island is we're looking at, for example, we, we've signed a few different places from island now. Daddy Mandroy was. Close, but more or less at the end of his sort of pathway. I know, I know I'm, I'm being. Oh my crisp. god! I Bingo know, cards! I know.
2: Ding, ding, ding! It was you, <laughs> not
3: me. But he's kind of at the end. He was at the end of his pathway in um in Ireland. He was playing for Shamrock Rovers, one of if not the best team in Ireland at the minute. You know, performing really well. He was ready immediately for his move to England. He got it. We know what player there is there we've spoken at length about sort of his his pros and cons recently but I think there's definitely a player there so that mm-hmm. smart move and you look at somebody like Dylan Duffy now Dylan Duffy we got from uh University College Dublin UCD now he was bought a- again for the same kind of idea but he wasn't really at the end of his pathway he probably could have quite easily played on in Ireland for another few years and got to the same sort of point that Danny Mandroyu was. Then you think about the fact of Jack Moylan. Again, Jack Moylan's probably sort of maybe in between them, maybe not quite at the Danny Mandroi level. He was playing for he's playing for Shelbourne at the minute. You know, he's performing well there. But they're not exactly the title chasing side. They're not consistently in Europe. I think they're chasing for Europe at the minute this season. So we've kind of just if you look at those three players alone, and obviously you've got Sean Rowan, who we got even younger than any of them, but if you look at those three players alone. They kind of fit into those three categories of you either get them very young and then develop them here. You get them halfway through their kind of development program and then bring them over here. Or you get them at the end of their kind of development path. And I'm not saying that Danny Manjory will develop more here. That's not at all what I'm saying. But in terms of his early stage development, we've got him at the end of that to then bring him over here. That's the sort of thing I expect us to do with the foreign market and with the worldwide market. Expect what we're doing at the minute with Ireland for us to be able now to do that with, for example, an Austrian player in the Austrian League or a Dutch player in the Dutch League, a Japanese player in the Japanese League. All of these different leagues that are now available to in the same way that the Irish market's been available to us, and you know we've been really savvy with that. We've been one of the leading clubs in the EFL of being able to bring over Irish talent. We've, we've proven that already. We're now going to be able to do that with so many more countries. It's, it's only an exciting prospect going forward, isn't it, Chris?
2: Indeed, yeah, it's, it certainly is. It certainly is. The challenge will be how do we try and scout the whole world? <laughs> I imagine you know it makes sense to kind of have a, a handful of leagues that you focus on. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's just things to look forward to potentially. But yeah, transfer window is shut; we can't do anything right now. Uh, bar free agents, which we 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 were adamant a week ago that we definitely were not going to bring a free agent in, no, and not uh, then meet United baseline the very next day. <laughs> um, but sh- I think it might be time for us to move on um, and preview.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoted for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favorite, the quarter pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
3: Okay, so we did say we would have a little bit of a look towards Burton. Again, I hope you enjoyed those... uh, Chicken McNugget adverts from, from Gary there. Uh, he, he was always going to make an appearance on the podcast, obviously. Um, if they're same as sort of the normal thing, if there's any gambling sponsors, make sure to reach out to one of us and we shall make sure that has stopped. Hopefully that wasn't the case. Right. Ben has been doing the preview this week and he has spoken with Dave Fletcher from BBC Radio Derby, who is actually the normal uh, commentator for Burton. So let's have a little listen. To see what he thinks.
4: I'm Tyler Walker, and you're listening to the Stacey West podcast. Yeah. Hi, I'm Ali Smith, and you're listening to the Stacey West podcast. I was going to say. I mean, we'll, we'll you know we'll start off. We'll say what what were the preseason expectations for Burton, and and do you think you know currently 18th in the table is that roughly where you'd expect to be, or you know d- do you see them climbing the division a little bit and maybe settling in around that mid-table area?
0: Wow. Um, expectations were reasonably high because they finished off last season quite well, mm-hmm. um, uh, including a very uh, enjoyable trip to Simsel Bank, as I recall, and mm-hmm. the evening that they actually secured their status in uh, in League One. Um, and then he added really nicely Dino Marmory. We were all very excited when Cole Stockton signed. Uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, he's had his uh, injury problems. Jasper Moon came back from Barnsley he's added an awful lot of players as Burton tend to do every transfer window in the last five. I think they've added at least 10 to 12 players, which is too many. And, and Mar-Maria, you know, Marmaria knows that. And he has said that he wants to try and get away from that. But yeah, expectations were really high. So uh, they went to Blackpool on the opening day of the season and and were soundly beaten really, but you sort of thought, wow, it's Blackpool. that have come down. They had some good players. They've, they've kept a lot of players who were playing in the championship. And, um, But then the bad run continued and two points from the first 21 and all of a sudden it's another season, you think, where Burton are going to have to do something in the January transfer to escape, which they've done in each of the last two or three seasons. Um, However, they have turned the corner. Um, I firmly believe they've turned the corner as a a neutral observer. (laughs) Um, A win at Port Vale. Um, which was a strange night because if Port Vale had beaten Burton one 0 they'd have gone top of League One with a negative goal difference, which I think would have been terrific. i mean, <laughs> it was a romantic in me. didn't want Port Vale to win clearly, but I thought if they win one nil and they go top with a negative goal difference, I'll take that. Um, and they won, and since then they've picked up eleven points from fifteen, mm. and they're uh, winning the nonsensical. Uh, EFL trophy against Everton under 21 ones thrown in as well it's been a really good run and they've done it without Cole Stockton because he injured himself or got injured in the second game of the season which was the League Cup tie against Leicester City when how anybody got injured in that I've no idea because Burton didn't touch the ball for for 90 (laughs) minutes but he he landed awkwardly and he, he did his thigh and he came back and he did his calf and he's only just back now so i'd be uh, i would be staggered if uh, if he played within the next couple of weeks, certainly. Um, okay. but they've done it without Cole Stockton and everybody thought that the signing of Cole Stockton, yes, I know he had his injury issues last season at the start, but he finished last season terrifically well for Morecambe, uh, scoring goals in a poor side. um that he was going to propel Burton to be the surprise package of league one and at the moment they're anything but the surprise package of league one, although the way they've played in the last five matches is far more how I certainly and a lot of people expected them to go this season
4: yeah and that that was that was one of my first questions really is what what changed what um, was there a catalyst for that change or was it just kind of a, a mentality shift maybe or you know how did how did they manage to turn like you say seven games without a win in the first you know, bit of the, the, of the season into suddenly now going, you know, five games unbeaten. Was was there a a noticeable shift, or did it just happen overnight? Or you know, what what happened there?
0: Desperation, I think, as much as anything. I think the player, <laughs> the players were genuinely desperate at Vale Park, um, and they've they've suffered a couple of other injuries as well. John Brayford out, that didn't help, and and they've sort of come to terms with being without him. He's had an operation. I mean, he's been sort of the talisman over the last two or three seasons. Um and they have now gone to a back four, mainly mm-hmm. because Jasper Moon's also injured. So they went from a uh, three central defenders to, to two and two fullbacks, obviously. And and I can't off the top of my head remember if they played with four at the back or five at the back at Port Vale. But all of a sudden it just seemed to click. Mm. They weren't they scored two goals in those first seven matches as well. Uh, the August uh, goal of the month competition was well, <laughs> slim pickings. They were both tapping from inside the six yard box. Yeah, that sounds like
4: ours. Uh, sounds yeah. like ours. I think it was last December. We one of our goal of the month contenders was a penalty. So that gives you an idea That's
0: exactly. And you, and you just think about well, what on earth is going on, then all of a sudden, you know they, they started scoring goals and they've been scoring twos and threes in pretty much every game since that it, it just seems to have clicked. I think okay. the, the big thing was, uh, and Dino Marmier actually mentioned it after the game against, who uh, um, did, did they play that the other night? Blimey. They Cambridge. Cambridge, of course they did. I've got a terrible memory now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've come straight off a full season of cricket doing Derbyshire, straight into Burton Albion, and I'm still a bit frazzled. But that's my excuse. <laughs> after the game against Cambridge, he actually said, and he reverted back to it, the last transfer uh, the last international break. the game against Port Vale was called off because Port Vale had the requisite number of internationals. goodness knows who they were. but um so that game was called off, and he had quite a lengthy period in which he worked. he said he and the team worked on a lot of things and then of course they came back and the, the, they didn't win the next match. it was the it was exeter, I think and they were disappointing against Exeter, who they won their first game against last season. But then they went to Port Vale and everybody's going, well, they've got no chance. This is this is the team who's going to go top of the table. they got to an absolute flyer, didn't they? Mm-hmm. And they've won. And all of a sudden, they've, they've suddenly thought, well, hang on, we're not as bad as everybody said we were. Uh, and they've tightened up at the back. they started scoring goals. It's a fairly simple game, isn't it, football? Yeah. <laughs> If you don't let them in and you score some, then you've got more chance of winning games than, uh, than not. When when you're not scoring any goals, the defence is suddenly thinking, well, if we let one in, we've lost. And then it's yeah. all it's panic stations, absolute panic stations. And it's all calmed down quite nicely. And, they, and they've, they've settled into a rhythm. The team hasn't changed that much over the last three or four matches. They're starting to build an understanding Strikers continue to be an issue, although Bezla Bala, who missed the game against Cambridge, will be back. Um, available, certainly, uh, for the game against Lincoln. He was suspended for one match after uh, two really ordinary yellow cards, uh, which we're seeing more and more of, aren't we, this season? But you know yeah. the sort I'm talking about. <laughs> um, so he's available again. But whether he gets back in because Josh Walker came in for a start and scored a goal, and it it's, it just seems to be working. Now, okay. whether he's weaved his magic or not, I have no idea. Okay, he will, he will tell you that he has. So,
3: <laughs> all right. So, Chris, what did you think about what David was saying there? Thank you, Ben, for talking to him as well.
2: Uh, very interesting. Yeah, I think the fact that Cole Stockton is out is interesting. Um, I know there was there was calls for us to try and go after Cole Stockton the summer. Uh, personally, I didn't ever think he would particularly fit our style, but you know, as a guy that has 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 proven himself at this level uh, over the last few years. So you can understand why you know centre-forwards like that are always sought after. It's always interesting to me. He always seems to score a hatful of goals mm-hmm. when he's out of contracts, but never seems to be Pretty particularly just... terrific apart from that. But um, he's out. Um, but Burton have certainly turned a corner recently and uh, I think it was interesting what was said in there about them starting to feel a bit more settled. So uh, we can almost split their start to the season in half really. The first seven games, um, they scored two goals in the first seven games. They had two points at the end of that as well. Uh they were really struggling. They looked they looked really poor. They looked kind of on par with kind of where you'd have put Cheltenham at the time, to be honest. But in the last five games they have completely changed really. They are unbeaten in five. They've won three and drawn two. Uh, and they have picked up, yeah, eleven points in, in five matches, scoring eight goals in the process as well. They have significantly changed. But what has happened in that time, as as was mentioned in that little interview, is that they've become a bit more settled. What I did notice, though, that I don't know if was was picked on, is there's been a very ta- very definite tactical shift here. So in those opening seven games, um, five out of those sevens, Burton played with a back three. Uh, they flirted with a 4-2-3-1 four, a four, a four, and a 4-4-2 four, four, uh, at various times, but they never kept it two games in a row, so they were predominantly a back three team for the majority of the game, and actually in even those two games where they started in a back four, they changed to a back three later in the match. In the last five games, that they are unbeaten, they have exclusively played a back four. So there's clearly been a, a tactical shift there, and I, I discovered something, also discovered, it wasn't me that found it out, I, I heard and read something interesting this week, and I, don't, and I don't know if this is something to read into that, or if this is just a bit of a quirk, but um, this time last season, the majority of teams in all three EFL leagues were playing a back three. <laughs> in both League Two and in the Championship, that has now changed. So the vast majority of teams have now transitioned into a back four. But in League One, that hasn't changed yet. Still, the majority of teams predominantly start with a back three. And what we're seeing is just so many more goals per game in League Two and in the Championship compared to League One. And it's just really interesting that Burton specifically have changed from a back three to a back four and have started scoring more goals and have been involved in games that are no longer 0-0, 1-0, 2-0, 1-1. They're now two ones and three twos. Uh, It's just really interesting. I don't know if that's obviously a very small sample size, but it's just an interesting wider point. I don't think we're going to move away from our back three system. I think we that's very much set in stone now. Um, but it is interesting that they have made that very definite tactical shift. And at the moment, it's certainly working for them. So for anyone that's just looking at the league table and saying, oh, they've only got 13 points from 12 games, they're 18th in the league, this should be, a, should be a winnable game. And it is a winnable game, but it should be an easy game. Then it's maybe not quite as simple uh, as that, because their form over the last five games is very, very impressive.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think this is the thing it happened with us last season but it happened the opposite way around we went from a four back to a three back we became more resolute at the back we started picking up a heck of a lot more points and we looked a lot more comfortable whereas these have now gone the opposite way to the point where they've gone from a three back to, and you know conceding maybe only one or two a game struggling to score though but now they're going gone to a four back where they're able to score yes okay they concede and you know, that they've actually only kept two clean sheets in the league all season, you know. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they're now able to score more than their opposition, or at least the same as their opposition, since they've gone to the full-back, is, is kind of, like you say, a really big point. And it doesn't actually surprise me, you know, when you when you were talking about the fact that the Championship and League Two have moved more to a full-back. Because I, literally just from sort of noticing it myself, and I've kind of been looking at sort of different teams and such, I've always been really surprised to see the amount of teams that I've seen playing a four-back, considering, you know, really simply since coming out of the COVID season, the three-back suddenly became like the most popular formation. Um, everybody was seemingly playing a three three five back you know, and especially the teams sort of lower down and mid-table that were able to pick up consistent points. I think the fact that they've become more settled is a little bit of a worrying prospect for Saturday. Mm. Uh, I think, you know, they, like I say, it is a winnable game. There's no denying that. But I think at the minute with the way we are, you know, we've brought in Shadipo. He may or may not start on Saturday. I don't think we're really that settled at the minute, not compared to the way we should be, I feel like considering the squad and such. And obviously, you know, with injuries, I, I just don't feel quite as settled for us as maybe what we were at certain points last season. But So the fact that they are, it's now one of those kind of games where you do just kind of get slightly worried. I think the fact our home record, you know, we we are, this is our fifth league home match. We are unbeaten in the league at home, three wins, one draw. You know, we've only conceded one goal. You know, we've scored, what have we scored? Nine. So there is a lot of positives to take from this, but I am slightly worried myself. Now, one thing i picked up on, Chris, is the fact that, but funnily enough, both us and Burton, we're bottom, Burton a second bottom in the league for crosses. Now, we're not going to pretend like we watch Burton week in, week out. Now, I've noted the fact that I felt like it seems like they've gone slightly narrower in the way they're playing at the minute. But I guess I want to ask you the question, Chris, what do you think it is about us? Why are our crosses... Now, we know that our wingers are playing as more inside forwards often and they're playing as a, a right footer on the left and a left footer on the right when we can. Is that, do you think, the main reason why crosses for us is lowest in the league? Or is it sort of a tactical situation in the fact that we want to just play down the middle more? Because the ball ends up out wide quite often for us, but we don't often just seem to hit it into the boxes off. You know, we, we try to play it around the midfield What do you think is kind of the key tactical decision that we've made that's meant that our crosses are the lowest?
2: I think it's a really interesting point because I was actually quite surprised by it. Um, I think a little bit of it will be about how the data is collected as well, um, to be honest, because I think what we do try and do, primarily because those wide forwards do try and tuck in slightly narrower but they do that to create space for the full or the wing back overloading mm-hmm. on the side. But what he, you know, think about where, where you often see last Sorensen on the ball when he does, mm-hmm. when he does deliver a ball, it's not normally a, a, a deep cross, you know, from a from really wide that's, that's pinged in, in the air towards a far mm-hmm. post. He's normally got in behind the defender touchline often actually even inside mm-hmm. the 18 yard yeah, box. Yeah. And it's a low ball across the box. Now in terms of the t- statistical data that will count as an attempted pass, rather than a cross. Mm. Um, one thing that I think we have been better at this year, which Mark Candy has definitely pointed out earlier in the season as well, is when we have players forward on that second delivery, we do get the ball back in the box yes. quicker. So I think the majority of our crosses probably come from those situations. It's the like that that second wave of the attack, which I think we've been quite good at actually, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think just because our crosses are low doesn't necessarily mean that we're not actually creating quite high quality chances. What frustrates me, and this is why, as much as I'm a, a, a stats guy, the stats fall down <laughs> a little bit because yep. there's been, I can probably name five occasions already this season where we've got down in that byline, we've whipped the ball across the box, and it's someone just half an inch away from tapping it in. It doesn't count as a cross because it's a, it's mm-hmm. a low pass. It doesn't have any XG attached to it because it's not a shot. But no one can deny it's a very, very, very good chance that's been created. And there's no stats or metric that really measure that. Um, So I don't want to be kind of complete rose-tinted glasses and kind of just massively favouring Lincoln. But I think how we play, there is a little bit of a tactical quirk. I Mm. think that maybe just um, makes the more traditional and standard metrics maybe not quite pick up the nuances of that as well. That's not to say the same isn't being said about Burton. We haven't had the privilege of seeing every minute of every one of their games we just look at the stats and see a few highlights don't we um so yeah i don't think it's necessarily a negative on our on our part to see those numbers because i think i can kind of almost justify it and kind mm-hmm. of explain it um i think one thing that maybe is a little bit more worrying is just touches in the box so uh, we're bottom of the league for touches in the box but is fourth bottom so mm-hmm. clearly neither of us have real sustained possession or real you know creating a huge amount in terms of having a lot of the of the ball in that 18-yard box. I think for us, it's about trying to get it into a dangerous area, deliver it into that area and get a one-touch finish. I think that's what we're trying to claim for. Um, but it does mean that we're maybe not having that sustained pressure that we maybe would quite like against teams. But yeah. we're playing the, we play, we play the counter-attack. So that's, again, kind of to be expected, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But I think in regard to how much goal-mouth action are we likely to see, I'm thinking maybe not a huge amount, despite their recent upturn in, in goal-scoring. Um, their XG hasn't actually increased hugely. has increased a bit, but not increased hugely. Um, they have just been taking more of their chances. But that shape change has clearly had a real big impact. The one statistic I think is worth pointing out, which probably gives us an idea in terms of the the type of game we can expect, is that they are second for the most fouls committed out of anyone in the league. Yeah. One, I'll give you one guess as to who's top. Bristol Rovers? No, but it's that star oh. team. It's Steve Evans, isn't it?
3: Oh, well, that doesn't surprise me one bit. It was always uh, going
2: to be Steve Evans or Joey Barton, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, they are very much a robust team. Uh, they had that last season. I wouldn't say they're just kind of a lump-it team, but they definitely um, they have one of the lowest percentages for, 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 for high percentage with long passes, um, lowest low and the lowest numbers of kind of deep progressions, uh, deep completions, which is like basically how many times they play out from the back. It's not that many. Um, I think we're going to actually see two quite similar teams play against each other stylistically. Um, I like to think we we maybe don't take too many risks defensively, but I do think we do try and play a decent bit of football when we get into that kind of middle and attacking third. We just kind of avoid the first third, don't we? It's like risk averse. Uh, whereas I think Burton are maybe slightly more restricted in that. They, they do tend to go a bit more direct the yeah. majority of the game. But I, I don't think you're going to see a free-flowing game by any means the number of fouls indicates that they're going to be breaking up play at every opportunity. They're going to know we're a good counter-attacking team. They're going to stop us counter-attacking by giving those professional fouls when we're on the break. It's probably, sadly, going to be a bit of a, of a frustrating one. Not necessarily result-wise, but just in terms of a spectacle. I can't mm. see it being a particularly pretty game. Um, what are your thoughts on that?
3: I, I very much agree. I think it's going to be a very kind of stop starty match not just because of the fouls, but I think the overall style of play. I think there's going to be a huge amount of turnover of the ball. I think the possession, I I would expect us to have more possession. But at the same time, I I can't help but feel like there's going to be a lot of situations where it's a little bit of a back and forth in terms of not end-to-end, but sort of end-to-end in the fact that our defence is going to have the ball 10 seconds later, their defence might have the ball 10 seconds later, our defence. I just feel like it's going to be one of those games where neither side's really going to get a proper stranglehold of the match.
2: Yeah, now, I think there might be some similarities between this one and the Shrewsbury away game. Yeah. Yes. Stylistically.
3: Yeah, I, I very much agree. I think it's going to be... And you know
2: what? If it is and we get the same result, I'm I've happy as Larry.
3: Yeah, yeah. If you quick look, I think we'll all we'll all happily take a win. I think a draw a draw is going to really split the fan base this weekend. Yeah. I definitely do think so. I, I wouldn't be that upset with a draw, considering the run that Burton are on personally. But again, you know, it, it will keep us unbeaten at home, all of that. I feel, feel like some people will see it as two points dropped rather than a point gained, just, you know, and they'll decide on that before the, a ball's even been kicked. It's just, it, that's just the way it is. Now, one thing I, I kind of just want to touch on, and you sort of mentioned it earlier when we were talking about Wolves under 21s, is the fact that you were a little bit disappointed that we weren't maybe as clinical. And it's something I could maybe see being the case on Saturday. You know, we might get our chances, but it's about putting them away. Now, there's kind of one overall question, but there is like a a little bit of a nuance to it. I guess the overall question is basically, is that because we've got no strikers? Now, (laughs) it's a a really interesting one because About a month and a half ago, I asked you a question, Chris, on the YouTube, on the monthly show. And I also asked the same thing to Gary on a podcast. Asked stats, things like touches in the box, uh, things like shots, uh, you know, basically all of the attacking metrics, metrics, we were one of the lowest in the league, but we were in the top half of the league in terms of position. Now I said, is that really sustainable over a long term? I hoped it was, and I thought it might be. Now... We're not quite scoring as many. Uh, the, our lack of shots and our, our lack of ability to put them away has started to become noticeable. And I personally don't think it's all because of the striker, the, the lack of strikers. But I, I, I'm just curious as to what your kind of opinion on that one is, Chris. Uh,
2: I think it's primarily because of a striker, uh, to okay. be honest. And um, I was a little bit frustrated at myself and maybe not picking up on this earlier than I had, but in particular, was clear on tuesday night actually Mm -hmm. Uh, probably just because we had more chances and we had more attacks and we had more of the ball in those dangerous areas it was a a bigger sample size all at once whereas in like a couple of chances here a couple of chances there in previous games it's maybe difficult to see a pattern one thing that stood out to me and and i've been massively um kind of praising hacks i think i think you know i've definitely been fighting his corner a little bit since he's come back into the team but i was actually really frustrated frustrated but also understanding into where my frustration was coming from frustrated that he wasn't clinical frustrating that he didn't pull the trigger often enough frustrating that he kind of delayed the ball quite a lot what i also noticed though is when we did get those balls in those really dangerous areas ones that we kind of mentioned a few minutes ago where do you want your center forward whereas at a place that someone's played center forward for their whole career they're between the posts mm. Hacks is never between the posts and i noticed this on tuesday over yeah. and over and over again he's it's his natural instinct to just drift slightly wider find a little bit of space where there's a little pocket to get the ball in with a second ball it makes perfect sense he's a winger that's what he's done for his whole career that's just what's natural to him um and it just really stood out to me on tuesday i was like oh there we go there we go <laughs> it's obvious now um yeah. Yeah. but it was in, it was only in those specific situations i think on the break i think um, in general hold up play we can we can mix and match around a little bit and it's not too much of a problem mm-hmm. I, I don't might I think in those real critical moments the moment when the ball does get whipped across the box the moment when the ball does get delivered or it gets worked into those areas where you just want someone it's not someone that's in that position that misses the chance I don't, i've got no issue with players missing yeah. chances because you're in the right position it's not been in that position in the first place and i think that and okay, it's probably happened in the last three or four weeks and I've just not spotted it quite as clearly as I spotted it on Tuesday. But on Tuesday, it stuck, it stuck out like an absolute sore thumb. Um, okay. So I actually think, yeah, it probably okay. is. Not 100% maybe, but primarily to do with the striker situation. And we mentioned there's obviously light at the end of the tunnel with that. Hopefully Jack Vale's back in. Joe had a good performance on Tuesday. Not saying he's ready to start, but he could potentially do something there. I'll be honest, I think I'd quite like to see... Rico starting in that central role on Saturday um even though he's not a natural striker, he's certainly played there far more often than uh, than anyone else that's available mm. has um so I think I'd quite like to see Rico down the middle with probably Danny Mandroyu and, uh, and and Shadipo or you know what? maybe even Dylan Duffy I think Dylan Duffy did uh, impress mm. me a little bit on Tuesday as well maybe he's just regardless of ability he's just down the pecking order at the moment but I think I'll Primary starting lineup for the next couple of weeks until we get Jack Vale integrated fully should be Manjuri on the left uh, or right. To be honest, probably left. I prefer him. Shadipo on on the right. But I'm happy for them to switch in the game. But actually, have that focal point as Rico, um, yeah. and hopefully he just has that slightly um, more of a a striker's instinct without having it completely. I think he'll have it. He won't have that natural instinct to drift completely wide all the time for the second ball like like Hacks has. Mm. I think you know. It would just be he, He's more likely to get in and around the box, isn't he? I, I think in those regards. So, you know, he's, he's it, scored a couple of those strikers' goals. I can't remember who it was now. Earlier in the season, he scored a tap in, didn't he? By being the right place at the right time by um, getting in those positions, albeit coming in from yeah. the right wing. But it was getting on the end of a cross. He wasn't stood out wide waiting for the second ball. He was in there on the end of it. Um, so yeah, I've kind of gone off on one there a little mm, bit, haven't I? I but to answer your question, yes, I think it is actually all to do with <laughs> the striker situation.
3: It's what's really interesting, actually is sort of you're saying we we just seem to lack that that man in the middle in in the penalty area that's ready for those sort of crosses that aren't crosses that we get from kind of either side, as we've mentioned. Because when when we did the YouTube video earlier, what was it, in September, um, with the fan from Blackburn Rovers regarding Jack Vale, one of the key things that he mentioned was the fact that Jack Vale's a perfect poacher in the penalty area. He's a guy that you're going to want on the end of crosses, on the end of passes in the penalty area. His pressing style maybe isn't, is off the ball work and his pressing isn't quite as good as what it should be. Now, at the time, I was a little bit disappointed with that, thinking, on. Oh, okay, this is this is all right. You know, right. We're, we're going to have a striker, but how much is he really going to fit into our system? Are we going to have to change our system to suit him, which we're not going to do? So, oh, we're really going to see that much of him and all of this. And obviously the striker's got injured and we're like, okay, I don't care what he is now. We just need him. But now that you're obviously talking about that, I feel like he would actually be a really, really good addition now because he'd be obviously a, he is a striker and that is exactly what we need, but he is the definition of a striker, of what you've just mentioned, in the fact that he's going to be the poacher in the box, the exact person you're going to need and want to be putting balls away. And that's the thing: if they're in. If they're in those positions, it doesn't matter if they miss the chance. Obviously like it to go in, but it doesn't really matter as much. As long as they're in the position, because soon enough you will get the goals. It's spoken about so much with sort of elite players when they move over to this country in particular. I remember obviously it happening with Darwin Nunes at the start of last season for Liverpool. One of the bit, and it's happening at the minute with Rasmus Hoyland for for Manchester United. I mean, he's got a couple of goals, but one of the key things was actually their positioning. They're always in the positions that you want the striker to be. They know they're a perfect tactical role the fact that they haven't quite scored as many as you'd want them to yet isn't something to necessarily worry about too soon. Obviously, over a long period of time, then that's another conversation. But if they're in the positions, it's the exact thing you want. And if hopefully that is going to be something that Jack Vale can do for us in the very near future.
2: Yeah, hopefully so. I think what, what stands out to me is it just shows how lucky we are at Ben House. And I know he's obviously out for a long period of time and we, we kind of as horrible as it sounds, I need to forget him in regards to as a first team player for a few months. But we know, you know, you mentioned, you know, we, I think all three of the lads that have been starting up top are decent off the ball. I think our yeah. pressing has generally been pretty good. And I think credit to Hacks for that. He's picked that up pretty well because it's definitely not natural for him in that central role. Um, but I think he's done that really reasonably well. But, you know, at this level, you normally either get the player that's really good out of possession, mm-hmm. um, but maybe not necessarily has that, that striker's and poacher's instinct, or you get someone who, like the Blackburn Ravers fans have said, is maybe not quite there with the off-the-ball stuff, but they'll score goals and they'll have that poacher's instinct. Ben House has, ben House has both, doesn't he? <laughs> he like, does. that, that, you know, so yeah. we're lucky to have Ben. I think you know he's almost like that perfect lone striker, isn't he, that can also play elsewhere. Mm. Um, I'm just really excited to get Jack Vale back into the squad. I think in my head, when it was uh, quoted that he had had a setback and he was going to be out for, quote, a period. Yeah. I, I feared the worst. I thought maybe we're never gonna see him in the Lincoln Shoot. Okay. I sort of thought, him. I
3: thought we'd see January. Ben House before we'd see Jack Vale. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: And uh I, I just didn't want to kind of put my eggs in that basket, you know. Um but now we've had some positive news. I thought, okay, right, this is this, mm. this could be a genuine opportunity for us to hit, a genuine solution to the system. And I fully expect him to, to start up top for us when he's yeah. fully fit. Um but yeah, it won't be this week, I doubt it'll be next week or the week after. But I think he'll be involved in the next couple of weeks in some way, shape mm-hmm. or form, and then yeah, this time in maybe three weeks or so, maybe four. Um, he, he probably is going to be our starting centre forward. Or brings, or obviously touch wood, He he stays fit and everything <laughs> goes well in regards to his his recovery. So yeah, good good times ahead. Hopefully, um, but I think this is another case of just trying to stick in, it, isn't it? It's about being competitive. It's about not. It's about staying in games. It's, we're not going to steamroller teams, even those kind of poorer teams in the league at the moment it's just about staying in touch and Burton will be a big, a big test on, on Saturday. And we did mention their run and we did mention their, um, obviously the, the the real tactical change that they've had recently that have changed their results. One thing I think is worth just touching on, which might just put a bit of a silver lining on this for us Mm -hmm. is in those first seven games where they, they didn't win. They played Blackpool. They played Derby. They played Shrewsbury. They played Wickham, Bolton, extra and Barnsley, a lot of good seed tied sides there, but they got beaten by them. Um, of course, they've been on a good run recently, but they've played Cambridge, they've played Wigan, they've played Reading, they've played Fleetwood, and they've played Port Vale. Um, th- there are a different, very different bunch of clubs there yes. than, than the teams that they struggled against. So, you know, if this evens out over a season, then Burton are a mid-table team. They're going to beat the teams below that are mm. probably going to end up below them. They're going to lose the teams above them, and that puts them mid-table, where they actually, actually are now. Um So I think that's interesting, is that the type of teams that they've played means that we can maybe take a little bit of something else out of that and a positive side for us. But at the same time, they've made a tactical change and they've won, they've won beating in five. And that's, that's, that's good. And I actually, um, you know, when we did all those preseason predictions, Mm -hmm. uh, I predicted Burton as a surprise, um, not struggler, a surprise a surprise outfit. I didn't think they necessarily. Yeah, that's the word. Thank you, Dark yes. Horse. Um, I didn't think they'd push playoffs, but I thought they would do much better than people expected. And they were mm-hmm. when they were bottom of the league after seven games, or second bottom, <laughs> or something. I thought, oh, I'm, uh, I'm clearly wrong here. Uh, but the last you and Gary really didn't be... do
3: well with Burton and Fleetwood, then, did you?
2: Well, Burton <laughs> Then, now, then, now,
3: then again, had Steve, I had Stevenage in the relegation zone, so I can't talk at all.
2: Yeah. So basically, <laughs> um, so all you lovely people are listening to us for some element of football <laughs> insight and knowledge and we're all wrong on everything, basically. Um, so, so on that note, on it's probably a much. nice time to end. <laughs> it is. Charlie, have... it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um Hopefully, Thanks. us as, a, as the as the standing joint hosts for the Stacey West podcast, hopefully they'll let us back again. Um Hopefully it's been a, a reasonably interesting uh, listen for everyone. It's been a real pleasure. Um So thank you very much, mate. But of course, we yeah, wish Gary... You. Uh, wish Gary all the best and wish him well hopefully he gets better soon uh, and hopefully of course Ben will uh, a safe travel home as well from his, from his trip I imagine you'll hear from them both very 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 soon um, but I think all that is left to be said for now is of course up the imps
3: up the imps